0: Welcome to the Becoming Well podcast. Join Dr. Deb Gordon and Mary Hendrickson as they get real in wrestling with the topic of faith and mental health as we seek to understand what Jesus really means when he says, Be well.
1: In this episode of the Becoming Well podcast, Dr. Hendrickson and I are partnering with some good friends of ours uh, in the Just Gospel podcast to tackle this conversation around what is happening in our country in terms of the racial unrest and the protests that we're seeing as a result of the tragic murders of uh, members of the black community at the hands of um, our nation's police officers. And what does this look like in terms of our mental health and wellness, but also how is the church addressing this issue? So we're excited uh, to have our friends joining us today to really tackle this conversation head on.
2: So it's good to have our friends from Becoming Well here with us today. It's a very special episode of Just Gospel. with all the upheaval in our society as we are facing the harsh realities of America's legacy of racism, coupled with the pandemic, we're noticing that there's a lot of increase in conversation. And here in Chicago, we are uh, aware that churches are scrambling to find ways to build bridges. So I'm joined by my podcast co-host, Craig Hendrickson, Dr. Deb Gordon, Dr. Mary Hendrickson. And I I just want to pose a question to you all today. How have you noticed the church responding uh, to the recent spate of violence and the uprising, the upheaval in our society through the protests that we see uh, all throughout our country, but specifically here in Chicago?
3: Yeah, I think it's interesting, Ernest, that you know, one of the things that I noticed, and, and I think I made a post about this actually in my social media account about two or three days ago, is that right now it seems like there's a lot of enthusiasm and partnership just uh, sort of swelling up across racial boundaries, across cultural boundaries, across gender boundaries, uh, unlike we've seen in a long time, um, especially With this area, because, you know, at least if 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 your conversations are anything like mine, when we start talking about race, uh, it it tends to either really quickly get shut down, Mm. get emotional anger or whatever. Whereas recently, there's this it seems like there's this overwhelming uh, curiosity by many, Mm -hmm. especially those of us. Uh, especially in predominantly white churches that have maybe not dealt with this or know how to deal with it. And then for others, it seems like there's this enthusiasm like, hey, maybe this is different. It feels different this time, you know, and it's what seems like in some ways uh, there is this rising tide of Enthusiasm mixed with this desire to see tangible change mm. uh, for the first time in, in a long, long time for those of us who've been involved in in in, in racial justice work. Uh, so that's Absolutely. exciting uh, in some yeah. ways.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Good. I mean, it is it is good to see these conversations kind of starting to, to catch fire in a way. But I'm also gonna say, I'm just gonna say it, it, it's really fascinating to see me to see a lot of these white churches all of a sudden have a lot of black friends that I've never seen before I've coming been on talking. board on a yeah. Sunday morning. Hmm, interesting.
2: Yeah. Where'd you come from? Yeah, absolutely. And and I yeah. think that, that 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 increase in reaching out, I've been reached out three or four times in the last three or four weeks. I've been on several I've been in several churches, uh, to put it that way, in Chicago mm-hmm. via, you know, video recordings and having conversations like these. And I've noticed that this has been an ongoing trend and I imagine it's not unique. Uh, there's been a lot of churches making that adjustment as well from predominantly white churches, I would say. Yeah.
0: And, uh, and I, to tag onto that, I think... Of course, it does look like it may, you know, we may be turning the tide and it may look a little different because it's been, you know, it really was real time, right? That Mm. when you look at the video with George Floyd, there's very little to misinterpret. However, I understand from a mental health uh, position that emotions ride high and we tend to uh, make these rash decisions. I'm not going to do this anymore. I can't stand for this. But then when everything calms down, that's when... That's when status
2: quo. Yeah. yeah the status quo return just, kind of. Thing. Right.
0: And if you look at, you know, this is, you know, Craig, I'm sure you're familiar with this as well as identity development um, uh, theory and understanding is that usually there's a travesty and, and a, a huge event that happens and people make this kind of oh to change. But then it's easy to go back into Where you were before, because you don't have to think about racism. So, while I am excited, or I won't say excited, while I am partly optimistic that there may be some change, uh, more so than the previous times that this has occurred, I am skeptical, you know, because Mm -hmm. we, as, you know, me as an African American woman, and Ernest, you can attest to this as a black man, that Mm -hmm. we are always faced with Mm -hmm. this. So, we don't have a a little uh, safe haven to go back to and then decide if we're going to actually help make change. Because it's always in our face, so I'm 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 optimistic. However, I'm 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 skeptical at the same time.
2: Let me yeah. let me press into that just a little bit for a second. What then is a next step if the riots, the protests? I want to emphasize the protests. Um, mm-hmm. Lean on that more so than than what I see um, the pain involved in rioting. But if the protests are meant to hopefully materialize into, say, policy changing for policing in America, what then becomes policy for local churches that need to see that we need to see from this conversation? Because if it's going to be constructive, I'm concerned and I'm curious, um, what does it look like to really bring equity and to have this conversation go from just being a flashpoint, a couple of good combos and then move on to business as usual?
3: Yeah, because uh, I think what you're bringing up is, is a good point that's part of my concern, Ernest. Um, and, and Mary, you, allu- you alluded a little bit to this as well, is that the the problem is that once the enthusiasm starts to wane a little bit, and my my concern, um, and, and I, I think you sort of alluded to this a second ago, is that once we see a few cosmetic changes, right? Yeah. Some, some initial changes mm-hmm. that may... Uh, excite people, see it. as like, okay, good. Now we've seen something happen. Mm -hmm. And then enthusiasm may start to wane a little bit because Mm -hmm. people are weary right now, right? Mm -hmm. Like you've, you've got this racial unrest in these protests all happening right in the context of two or three months of shelter in place and social isolation. Mm -hmm. And people are so desperate to get back to normal, Mm -hmm. right? That, that, that may cause us to retreat. Uh, toward normal, you know what we what we want normal to be, what we perceive normal to be. Just getting some sense of normalcy uh, before the work, the hard work is actually done. And do you so, mean by cosmetic. I-
2: what do you mean by ah, cosmetic? You know, I,
3: I, I couldn't let that go. I,
2: this, I I, you, that you mean way. a new roof?
3: You mean like some, a new
2: sidewalks
0: <laughs> for the church? Well, uh, well, well, could it be, Craig? When I, 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 and, I always say this, <laughs> and I always say this, and I always say this, and I think it's important that we actually uh, illuminate this distinction. Many churches will say that they're multicultural churches, but they're actually multiracial right. churches, right? So yeah, do you wonder, yeah, yeah. and there's a difference between race and culture. So because you see a there brown face up there every now and then, or you see some Latinos come in and they're brown, that does not mean that they are actually sharing one another's culture, right? More oftentimes than not, when you have the majority culture and you have white leadership, you are going to adapt and conform to their culture. So I think cosmetically, we have to go deeper than that cosmetic. Feel sure. of well, I have a, I have a, you know, and that's beyond the the black drummer, right?
3: I mean, as important star. as that is, <laughs> the, right? <or> the custodian, <laughs> right. <laughs> the custodian, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Greg, uh, but
0: in terms of cosmetic, uh, that's the first thing that I thought of. That's
3: yeah, and, and I think that's part of it, right? I think I think it's at two levels, right? I think one is the tendency. That, that many of us have in the church especially is we want to rush into solutions and it ends up causing us to make these cosmetic or surface changes that, that address symptoms rather mm-hmm. than the root. And, and we don't ever deal with the root, and that is some of the inherent racism, white supremacist views that we have that have, have basically shaped not just society, but especially in the evangelical church, the way we do church. And Absolutely. so we, we, we end up um, rushing in even. So the tendency for some— Right? might be to say, okay, we've got to hire a black pastor or sure. a Latino worship leader or a whatever, right? And these are sort of simple cosmetic structural changes that introduce presence when the system itself is not ready for it, right? right? And Correct. and I think what's called for first before anything as a, as a response on behalf of the church and especially the white evangelical church, right? Sure, sure. Is that we have to... Um, so Michelle Warren has a new book out uh, called "The Power of Proximity," which mm. she's dealing with the the need to, to be in proximation or in in intimate close relationships with the with the poor. All right, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. dealing specifically with the issue of poverty. But I think mm-hmm. the principle that she's talking about really uh, trans or um, transfers well to this conversation in that the mm-hmm. problem is that. Evangelicalism as a whole is one of the most hyper-segregated institutions in America. We are not to together, yeah, and absolutely. and because of that, we have not cultivated the ability to listen, to learn, um, and to to really sit in one another's presence in the tension long mm-hmm. enough. To actually hear one another. And mm-hmm. so when we just introduce a structural change or a higher of diversity, right, without actually doing the hard work of listening, learning, cultivating empathy uh, through, the, through presence with one another, through mm-hmm. getting into these intimate spheres with one another, mm-hmm. then all we do is introduce stress into the system. Anxiety continues to rise because sure. we've got this new kind of unknown aspect that's been just interjected into our our community, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then we don't know how to deal with it. And what happens? Conflict happens. Tension rises. Stress rises. And then human nature is what? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, we've got to get rid of the stress as much as possible. So now we've either got to make you conform to us or we're just going to remove the stressor and get things as close to normal as we can. And that's that's sort of what I'm referring to, Ernest. Well, and and I think...
1: What's critical in there, you know, bringing it back to a mental health perspective. I also want to say for our listeners, I think it's really important that we uh, let you know, Dr. Mary Hendrickson and Dr. Craig Hendrickson do not have the same last name by coincidence. They are what? husband and wife. <laughs> yes!
2: <laughs> what? Less, yeah. so they, they understand this a little bit better than we, when we they do. do. <laughs> they do.
1: But I think just speaking from a, a, a white woman's perspective, but also a mental health provider, this concept of listening, you know, okay. uh, Dr. Hendrickson and I, Dr. Mary and I, we, we both teach. Counseling skills and mm-hmm. listening is not something that you just can do, right? You know, every student comes into our class thinking, Oh, I'm a great listener, that's why mm-hmm. I'm going to be a counselor, that's why I was called mm-hmm. into this mm-hmm. field. And lo mm-hmm. and behold, they find out they're terrible listeners, right. Because they're yeah. listening to respond, right.
0: I'm Let's here to solve ball. your
1: problem, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And so, I do that's think great. when we talk about this idea of what is the role of the church, mm-hmm. and I'm going to add in mental health professionals, mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. you know, we It is, I believe there's a huge responsibility. On the part of myself and my white brothers and sisters to take the reins in this education piece, because, Mm -hmm. you know, that's part of what's causing the stress and anxiety and Mm -hmm. and the grief of, you know, what you were saying, uh, Ernest, about, you know, being, being kind of, unfortunately, the token black person who's now on the screen having these conversations. And yet Mm -hmm. I would imagine Mm -hmm. you're exhausted, you're grieving, Mm -hmm. you're going through Mm -hmm. yet another. This is not new for you. Same Mm -hmm. story,
2: different characters. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. And so how
1: are we taking the responsibility to advocate and to maintain a stance of promoting this change, um, in the context of relationship while mm-hmm. teaching people to learn, especially white people mm-hmm. to listen mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that proximity, to listen and to learn and to and to be educated in order to then advocate for the necessary systemic change that has to occur in order for us to see this not just be an unfortunate another pep rally surrounded by, you know, what's, what's exciting in the moment and what frankly people are, you know, unfortunately saying, oh, I have to do this because I'm on social media. Media and I'll lose all sure. my followers if right. I don't jump right. on the bandwagon. Right,
2: right, mm-hmm. right. There's no real sense of urgency towards lasting change if that's their motivation, and and mm-hmm. if that facade will quickly, quickly kind of fan out like the embers of this mm-hmm. moment. If we don't, if we don't really kind of step into this, that's why I was wanted to push the issue of policy. If policy change is pushing and motivating uh, those that are gathering all across the nation then what is the critical mass of churches to do? What are we to do? And I think that this conversation does create a sense of urgency for this moment. I do mm-hmm. think that this is unique, unlike others. Ta-Nehisi Coates, mm-hmm. a, a notable skeptic, is actually hopeful. Um, and some <laughs> That's of amazing latest, in itself. <laughs> that, exactly. I mean, he's, yeah. he's not very known. I mean, he's not a person of faith, but nevertheless, he's written quite uh, quite well upon this issue, and so I'm, I'm thinking about this real issue itself and how to bring about lasting change. I do know that as an African American male who leads a church who's involved in, in the in the academy, there's a sense that there's a collective fatigue. That we are sharing our from our places in real time as we're processing all of this as well, and I find myself mm-hmm. fatigued of that as well. And I think, and I do think for the listeners that are tuning in, uh, is that you want to be wary, you want to be careful not to. Uh, not to overtax the person of color in your life that's right. who yeah. you want to reach out and talk to because right. there's a real reticence that they may be feeling to wanting right. to engage in this because mm-hmm. as we have witnessed over the last just a couple of days mm-hmm. that this mm-hmm. is an ongoing and that there's an injury that mm-hmm. there's constant mm-hmm. injury that's kind of coming out in the wood from the woodwork right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, one friend of mine, uh, African-American pastoral friend of mine said to me that the problem with george floyd has been that we're constantly reliving good fridays this Mm -hmm. is a constant stream of good fridays and that's what it and and that and that captures the sense uh, of of what uh people of color and and what african-americans and are are sensing in this moment
0: yeah you know i was thinking too ernest that um there's a couple of things that i was thinking but in terms of policy change right we 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 get so excited during these times and even allies or you know one people that are you know just feeling very emotional at this time however Mm -hmm. there cannot be policy change without personal change yeah i Mm -hmm. need to say that again there cannot be policy change without Mm -hmm. personal change because you won't understand how to change the policy if you don't understand at some level what the real issue is
2: absolutely absolutely right and so that wholeheartedly agree
0: so that goes with the mental health piece when that goes mm-hmm. with the you having to look inside yourself and, and understand and see your blind spots mm. and see why you have to reach out to your black friends. Every time something happens to alleviate your fear that you're going to be labeled as racist, you need to look inside and see what's going on with that, because that is going to transfer over, whether it's in the church with church policies, academia or wherever you're trying to change the whole system. You have to understand thyself. Yeah. And then the education is to. important.
2: Yeah, right. Absolutely. And yeah. coming, coming with a sense of coming with a reading list or mm-hmm. at least perhaps providing a reading list for those or at least doing some work, some prior work, some pre-work, yes. if you will, yes. before you come to your, your friend, your colleague, your ally right. uh, would be yeah. really, really beneficial.
3: Really absolutely. Beneficial. And yeah. that's, that's, I think where, um, really the role of white allies, right? Those, those of us who may be, um, are considered or consider ourselves to be white allies or at least striving to be or becomes really part of the choir right um, and, and that becomes important during this time right because we can take uh, some of that burden off right not as a power trip or a power control mm-hmm. of just sort of recentering mm-hmm. ourselves we've got to make mm-hmm. sure we're always aware that it's not about centering mm-hmm. ourselves because it's not about us mm-hmm. but knowing mm-hmm. that you know as I sit here we, we sit at home talking talking to Mary as we you know we're having conversations and I can see and feel how fatigued and mm-hmm. exhausted she is mm-hmm. right how 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 this is taking Taking a toll on her. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing I want to see is a bunch of our white colleagues or students or family or friends peppering her with questions, right? right. Even if it's just, how are you doing? Right. Because I, I know yeah. that that actually right. Right. causes that quite- her to re, be re traumatized, relive it all over, or, right. you know, be in spaces she doesn't want to be. That's and right. so I can as a as not just in this case as her husband right but mm-hmm. but in more generally as as someone who's trying to really be an ally and come alongside mm-hmm. um i can take some of that burden right uh, direct yeah. those conversations mm-hmm. to me i can actually say mm-hmm. hey you know what here's some good resources for you to actually look at um to read yeah. like as you mentioned, ernest like to read yeah. here's some books here's some short articles here right. here are some things that you can think about on your own rather mm-hmm. than um, having to come to my wife or to you or to Mm -hmm. someone else. Right. Because I've only got one or two black friends in my, in my circle. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a space where, where we can press in and and what that's, what that's going to take, not just on behalf of, um, of, of say myself or, or Deb or, or others, but also on behalf of those who are genuinely seeking Mm -hmm. is, is going to take a new kind of courage. Mm-hmm. right it, it's it's gonna yeah. take vulner- ability. Ability, vulnerability vulnerability yes. right the yeah. courage to be vulnerable the, right. the, the the courage, the courage to, to make a actually, make a mistake and actually Mm -hmm. just acknowledge that right Mm -hmm. the courage to actually put ourselves in the position that we're not used to being of learner right right. Mm -hmm. as opposed to uh and and having the courage then with that to resist the urge to be the white savior or to feel Mm -hmm. like i've got to come in and actually be the fix-it person to get to the rush to the solution Mm -hmm. what can i do what can i do we've got to do something and Mm -hmm. and really right now what it takes is the courage to actually say you Know what? We actually have to sit in a space of listening and learning, mm-hmm. right? So that we can actually, and earnest, we talked about this in 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 our other contest, getting to a space where we can actually lament mm-hmm. um, the yeah. situation, so, yep. right? So unique and because so needed, without. Yeah. Yeah, because without being able to listen and learn, we can't cultivate the empathy and understanding to be able to get to that space of lament, to really Mm. lament Mm -hmm. what has actually transpired, what has gone on for centuries, what's still going on that should not be going on. Um, Our role, often complicit, uh, sometimes totally unaware, uh, and sometimes for some of us, intentional, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But but for most of us, for most of us, just sort of complicitly going along our lives, either kind of turning a blind eye or just being totally... Mm -hmm. <laughs> blissfully mm. ignorant thinking what are we talking about we, we're yeah. we're in this totally equal country and it's all the same and all of a sudden now mm. the blinders have been removed mm. for and the first thank time thank god for that thank mm-hmm. god for the right. removal right. I,
2: I you know i won't say more i want to i want to allow dr gordon to come in and chime in on this too but i mm-hmm. i just watched just mercy yesterday mm. and Great i just movie. was all yeah. i was all in my feelings yesterday mm. and, I yep. could not, yeah. and that lament component mm. I was in tears. Yep. My wife yeah. didn't yeah. know. And I just couldn't. As I finished watching the movie, I just wept. I yeah. really did yep. not know how to process anything beyond just the, the the systemic issues in the justice system that have perpetuated a, mm-hmm. a, a, yep. a constant, you know, um, reminder mm-hmm. that the Jim yep. Crow South is alive and well. And we're talking, Absolutely. we weren't talking 20, 30 years ago. Or we're oh. talking as recent as the 90s. Right. And yeah. So, yep. That was that was really eye opening, Doctor Gordon.
1: Yeah, well, I just am struck. I think uh, Craig by what you were saying in terms of, and I think Mary, you said this as well. Like this is not about us. Like this is not mm-hmm. about me, especially for 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 myself and for my white brothers and sisters. As we think about this conversation, it is it is about. Coming in with a a humble posture of listening to understand, and what becomes the largest barrier is when Mm. we make it about us. Whether it's I'm the 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 white savior that's that's here to fix the problem, Mm. or I'm uncomfortable having this conversation, or you know, God forbid, I'm not a racist, right? Right. So why why I don't want to have this conversation? I'm not racist Mm. because they're not looking inside, and Mm. you know what I think about going back to the original question of what is the role of the church and what is the role of believers? This is, this is absolutely kingdom calling mm-hmm. because, you know, one of my, one of, I think one of the most insightful books that I have read as of late, and you mentioned the Jim Crow South is the new Jim Crow mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. reality that this is not, this is not going to be solved by politics because both mm-hmm. sides of the political spectrum are equally complicit mm-hmm. in the state of our country today mm-hmm. from, 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 mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, this is, this is absolutely gospel justice work. Yeah. It is, it is yeah. imperative that we are going in with this understanding that we are all one in Christ, mm-hmm. but we are not treating everyone as one in Christ. And so and I, until yeah. we've leveled that playing field, mm-hmm.
0: we've got a lot of work to do. We do. Absolutely, Deb. I want to I want to use you as an example because I think it's very fitting, and I think it's important that we use tangible examples and what it looks like when our white brothers and sisters are um, allowing us you know, for lack of a better term to, to breathe seriously. And I, you mm-hmm, know, when mm-hmm. we feel that we are just exhausted. So yeah. this week, and this is just a uh, personal story this week, or the since the leading of the last few weeks I have, and Craig had said it, I've been very, very exhausted, very yeah. confused, yeah. mourning and grieving the best that I can because we're not taught to grieve because we've never had space to grieve and we've never been given Absolutely. the space to grieve. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, mm. Craig Listeners, I don't know if you know my husband, Dr. Hendrickson. He's he's white, and Dr. <laughs> Deb Gordon is white. And the reason why <gasps> I'm saying this is because I know, I know. <laughs> I Dr. did not know that. <laughs> what? I know. Right. I'm like super I white, because after right. this whole quarantine, I went out for 20 minutes, and I
1: got the most ridiculous sunburn of my life. <laughs> yes.
0: I love it. I love we it. over here all melanized, but it's okay. You guys are our it's brothers and sisters. But what I, right. I say that because... Both of them show a great example of what it looks like to be allies, and they're not just saying it just by talk. So, for example, because sure. I've been in such a dark place, like you know, all of us as 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 Black Americans and and, and people of color just grieving, and people calling, whether it's all the way from "How you doing?" to You know, can we talk? Can we talk? Can we talk? Right. Do you need, do you have 20 minutes of your time? Can can we? Can we talk? Can you can you talk about what this means? Right, that's like going to a funeral, and then they want to talk about the specific thing that killed the person and in detail, just so they can actually feel relieved. Right. <laughs> you know, they're not letting that person or, or they Confirm
2: their bias or something. Right. Like
0: that. Yeah. I, see, I knew it. You shouldn't, you know, drink this every day, you know, or whatever it is. Right. But you're not letting that family member grieve. But one of the things yeah. that happened this week that I, I told I told you, um, Dr. Gordon and and Caleb, our wonderful engineer, producer, the guy, he. He sent an email because we were supposed to do our podcast. And I was in such a place. Now, mind you, I did not talk to Dr. Gordon that week. I didn't talk to him yeah. up until that point. And Caleb was just doing his job. He wanted to make sure we're back on point in terms of talking about our podcast. And I couldn't, you can, Greg can attest to this, that I looked at the email and I just couldn't respond. And it had mm. nothing to do with Caleb, but it just was, I couldn't even do everyday things that day. I was just yeah. in such a place heartbreak and pain so thank about- you for
2: sharing that because there's somebody out there that needed it i needed to hear that i needed yes. to hear that because the normal communication beyond you know it, it, there i think that this is more widespread than 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 you not to i'm not even jumping on yours <laughs> but yeah, Mary, yeah, yeah. i think you just shared something that was helpful for somebody that was listening and even for myself yes. is that the ability to just do normal functioning things it's right. compromised.
0: It's compromised. Mm-hmm. Every, You know, everybody else is getting up. Okay, well, you know, they have the privilege to get up. Our white brothers and sisters have the privilege to get up and say, okay, well, let's continue on. We're still stuck in this grieving process. But what I was going to say, the wonderful thing about what Dr. Gordon did and what she, you know, I always tell people I rock with her. This is one of my white sisters mm-hmm. that I definitely rock yeah, with you. because she, <laughs> so she, wrong. you know, other than my husband, ride he's dope too. You know, ride <laughs> or die. And what she did without <laughs> even my prompting was email Caleb and said can we push it back next week till next week yeah do you but do you guys understand what I what I what, what she did without my prompting and so I text her and I said thank you for doing that I wasn't really and she was like that's exactly why she and I knew she did it for that right <laughs> and I knew she did it because she knows that I was in pain and she said we're just gonna push it back now I didn't talk to her Absolutely. I didn't prompt her to do it but that's a tangible example of She didn't call and say, how you doing? I want to do this. She she went in and said, let's let's push it back. Let's push yeah. it back mm-hmm. a week.
2: And you'll and, and, and I I have some friend. I have a a close brother, a fellow colleague here at Moody. Uh, uh, I got Craig. I've got another brother that has been walking in lockstep with me through this mm-hmm. process as well. I mean, you're not going to make it alone. You're not going to be able to go through no. this without you know, this, since I have a predominant, you know, as as an academic, you know, we can work Mm -hmm. in isolation and be happy, 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 happy. But in this moment, as we are thinking through and processing, you know, all of this seismic shift of the moment, then we're we're realizing that we've got to partner with people who have our mutual interests, can understand how to do self-care, and that we're promoting self-care, that we're doing that work Uh, for ourselves. And so I'm just thankful for those that are there helping me process and helping others as well, um, Mm -hmm. because it's definitely, definitely needed.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. When it goes back to what you were saying earlier, Craig, about relationship, the reason I had this hunch that Mary, you would be in that space is because we have a relationship. That's right. Right. And I think what's also important to make sure people understand that are listening is now is not the time to necessarily start building that relationship if it doesn't exist yet.
3: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Say That's that. I mean. think the, hey, the, can no I get an amen? I wish there was right. something hey, in man. the engineering that said, hey,
2: amen. Right.
1: You got we, need that a, we
3: need a button. Can <laughs> <laughs> you, you put that little function in, maybe design something for us, need a great. button that says, hey, amen. <laughs> <laughs> say it. Or maybe
1: yeah, like, have
0: like <laughs> We have maybe, what, like
1: four work. years of history right. yeah. to our That's relationship right now. Right.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we have four years together. And But you know what, Deb? We have four years of hard work together. We've had hard conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and, uh, and, and I've got to say, you know, again, to, to especially to my white brothers and sisters who might be listening, you have got to be constantly confronting your own attitude and your own motivations and your own thoughts and experiences. Because I'm going to be real honest, there's, there have been times. Like, so, so I oversee the grad program um, at my school uh, for mental health counseling. And um, my co-faculty, all of my co-faculty are women of color amazing mm-hmm. educated bright wise yeah. and yeah. woman of color because that's a priority in our hiring mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um Amen. and they meet together there's there's a group i don't know what the what the formal group is but it's yep. it's essentially black therapists it's right? colorful and F-U-L-L.
0: it's mm-hmm. colorful yes and it is with miss <laughs> mrs gray which is Ernest's wife she's absolutely. a therapist yep. i just wanted to give yeah. a shout out to shania <laughs> you know, yeah, my,
2: she's my, she helps, she has a live in patient, but that's another story, you know.
0: <laughs> in me. But,
1: but what's important is that I am, that is a space for you all to come together in a shared experience that I don't need to be a part of. Mm, and it would be it. easy for me to think, well, I feel left out. I want to be a part of that space. And those are mm. real feelings you, you, that we are a collective family. We talk mm. about that, but I also recognize that there is a critical necessity to have that space to process I love that. Um, and to just yeah, grieve and just to breathe. And yeah. I need to confront those feelings of myself. If I'm thinking, mm. I'm feeling left out, or I'm not a part of that. That's my responsibility. Mm-hmm. I love that.
2: I want to say this too. That might relate to a larger conversation around um, the the moniker "Black Lives Matter." Is it is not to the exclusion of anyone. It's just that here's a here's a gathering. Here's an aggregate of people who are voicing and crying out for mm-hmm. attention. Mm-hmm. Not to the chagrin of every other human being. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. This is a yes.
2: moment that people are trying to say that black people, people of color, are in need of direct attention right now because there is a crisis that has been ongoing, but now it's reached a, a, a rather a rather a, a huge sweltering point. And so mm-hmm. that is that is so key, Deb, mm-hmm. is that you have m- basically permit or given permission to yourself to not take personal or to feel as though you're being excluded or is that or feeling other than that sense because you recognize that really in this moment that this is a aggregate of, of women that are really doing this hard work and they need to do it together yeah. and, and 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 when you can partner and and chime in then i sup- i suspect that you'll be more than willing to provide critical feedback and insight and love to the generate to that to that group of women as well and i think that that could be a model for how um white men and women who are definitely showing up in the protests who are definitely mm-hmm. there you know raising their voice and leveraging their bodies mm-hmm. to continue to join in this work mm-hmm. it is it is in that space it is in this type of posture that they can really do a great job of just showing up. I've been preaching through the book of Job in my church for the last three weeks or last two weeks. And I think that the, the out of all of the things that he encounters in the first two chapters of, his, uh, of the book is be- between the loss of property, uh, his, his wealth, his, his children, mm-hmm. and then chapter two, the loss of his health. Is that he is in a space that does not need to be? People need to be kind of, you know, saying, "Well, what did you do? How did you figure this out? How did you get in this place?" Mm-hmm. That's where things kind of go mm-hmm. downhill, and mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of where we're at in this moment as well. There's mm-hmm. a lot of loss yeah. going on. I, I'm, am I'm, I'm. Since we're throwing out books, I'm going to put my favorite one out there: Judith Viorst, Judith Viorst, Necessary Losses. Mm-hmm. It's an, is an incredible book that talks about the impact that loss can have. And I think about this moment as a moment of loss. There's a mm-hmm. collective loss and there's a necessary necessity to grieve about it as well. And I and I can't yes. help but thinking that we don't need to gloss over or move over to, you know, just get over it and be well. Oh, no. and I, we
0: can't. Not, you yeah. know, I, Craig, I want you to jump into. But we because you both you all uh, Ernest and Craig yes, in dear. terms of pastoral. Cl- <laughs> do it. Um, it's, you, better, you, better. Uh, you better do it. I will. Um, it's good for you. If you know pastoral- it's good for you. <laughs> Pastoral counseling, in that it's detrimental, and Deb, you can you can chime in obviously on this. It is detrimental to our mental health. There are already yeah. stigmatized. There's we're there's already stigma in the Black community on mental health. Now it is getting better. Absolutely, it is Absolutely. getting better. But there is so much stigma. But half of that stigma it comes from history. Mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm. now, I will say, and not to go into all of that, but I will say that uh, because my therapist was an African American man, it that's how I got through some of the week. Right, because I didn't have to go in and see where he was, and then him asking me questions. He literally popped up on the computer screen via Zoom because it's telehealth, and he was just like, yeah. "How you doing?" And he did it in that, yeah. "Sister, how you doing?" That yeah. kind of voice, yeah. not patient, <laughs> not not client yeah. therapist, yeah. but sister. How you doing? That yeah. was huge. Absolutely. Just in terms. And then I was able to say, how you doing? Just as a human. Yeah. And he didn't, you know, obviously there's boundaries. And, but he, how you doing? And that's huge in terms of n- us not glossing over what when artists did, not glossing over the you know our our grieving process and that's huge in the church and that and that's another mm-hmm. stigma we could talk about you know or we, mm-hmm. we don't have all day to talk about but that's one of those things too where we can't we we have to learn how to grieve as black people but we have to have that space to grieve you know so yeah. so that's important too and i wanted to and throw in there yeah. grief permission. and trauma right and trauma. Mean, there's, there's trauma too and involved mm-hmm. in all this ptsd mm-hmm. people it is not um limited to one set and one type of trauma. It's PTSD, over over. there is racial trauma, whether it's mm-hmm. personal or vicarious. So even mm-hmm. if it didn't happen to me, I'm seeing my brothers and sisters over, get shot and brutalized over and over and over it's again. Traumatic. That is re traumatizing us. That's traumatic. So it doesn't have to be a personal assault, it could be vicarious.
3: It can. Mm-hmm. It can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think. Um, So one of the classes that I've taught at Moody since I've been here is uh, our our ministry leadership class, ministry leadership and staff relationships that um, all of our pastoral studies majors and a few other majors are required to take. And, um, it's a tough class to teach because you have to teach every aspect of leadership that you can mm. right? in the semester mm. <laughs> subjects. We have to, t- I have to touch in one lecture that I would normally take a whole class to teach. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, one of the things, uh, one of the topics, because this is part of leadership is, is, um, you know, how do we, how do we lead change? Right. Mm. Um, and, mm. and what, do, what are the things we come up with or have to have to come up with to do this well? And, it it seems to me to relate a little bit some of the things I touch on with what um, with what you just said, Mary, but also what uh, has been we've been talking about for the last few minutes is is um, when we when we lead change. Part of the art of leadership in a change situation is understanding how much stress we can introduce into the system, right? How much, how much, how much stress can, can our, can our congregation, not just individuals, but the collective group, how much can they take? Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like when you think about it, and this principle applies for individuals as well, when we talk about leading change uh, in ourselves, right? Changing ourselves Mm -hmm. is whenever we introduce something new, right? We, We have this normal baseline. We have this way of functioning, Uh, with ourselves. There's a book called immunity to change by, Mm -hmm. uh, two authors named Keegan and Leahy. Mm -hmm. Um, and they talk about, um, kind of the, the body, uh, and systems are kind of like this, um, they, they use a medical analogy and it's like we've built up this immunity sort of to change system <laughs> in yeah. ourselves is kind of how they yeah. frame it right yeah. and and we've spent a lifetime uh, constructing this way of dealing with the stress in our lives and so if you think that normal stress levels in your life we all have stress it's just mm-hmm. matters of you know how much we have at different seasons of life and mm-hmm. through different events but if you think about your stress level as constantly being sort of at your nose right you're your like nose level of stress so to speak hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's sort of where you are and and that's how you function throughout the day right every day day to day you Mm -hmm. say okay right well I, I know how to deal with it this is my stress level here mm-hmm. are the coping mechanisms that I've come up with to deal with that. Here are the things that I've done, I do to alleviate it when it starts to feel like it's building or rising. Mm-hmm. And my goal, right, as a, as a human being navigating through um, all these different environments and relationships and situations is to keep that level of anxiety right at my nose, right? Mm. Yeah. Because as soon as it goes a little bit higher, I start to... I start to, my, my anxiety increases, I start to panic, and I've, I, do, right. I start doing everything I can to get that anxiety back down mm-hmm. to the level of my nose, right? right. Yeah. And so leading change is very similar, right? I've got to know, okay, I'm introducing this change. Well, what happens? All of a sudden now, the stress in, in, in the congregation goes from nose level to eye level. Right. Right. Ratcheting one up little a little change. Bit. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm changing the worship. I'm making a new step higher. We're changing a program. We're going from Sunday school to small groups we where, uh, oh, my gosh, we're, we're bringing in a staff person of color for the first time. Right. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The anxiety level now increases. Mm-hmm. So what happens? The system. Right. Not just the individuals, but the system starts to fight to try to pull that back down. And we start to resist change. Right? Mm-hmm. Because the goal is to get that stress level manageable again. Yeah. And so I'm sharing that because I feel like that's kind of. Uh, the situation and why courage is needed. And, and Mary, you mentioned this earlier, why it's so important when we lead change that personal change always precedes corporate change or systemic mm. change, right? Mm-hmm. Because I am used to leading and living in a system with a certain level of, of stress that I'm, that I'm good with. But as soon as mm-hmm. that raises, right, right. oh my gosh. And mm-hmm. so moving through this time, where we now have incredible stress that has been added into the system. African-Americans, right, the African-American yeah. community, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lump you all in together for a second, which, yeah. you know, yeah. we know we're not yeah. supposed to do, it. right? We got it. We got but it, I'm just hey, going to say that, I'm I'm that, that, <laughs> you all, that you all tend to operate with this level of stress because right. of racial history and trauma that is right. eye level. Right. I, as a white person in American society, I tend to operate with a level of stress that is probably mouth level. Right, just yeah. for lack of a better chin, chin, level. I'm chin level. Chin level. Okay, take one. <laughs> right? um, take one on the shoulders. chin. I'm taking take one on the chin. Right
1: there, you go. Yeah. You got to add in a, the male component. I'm probably the, mouth as a, level as a, as a right. female. You, right there, you go. Chin you might be mouth level. I'm
3: chin level. All right, there we go. There we go. See, I'm just taking the correction. Right, this is I'm That's just trying it. to model, right? Right. Yeah. Just fine-tuning, fine-tuning you. you. All right, yeah, fine-tuning. There we go. And so, so here's the thing. Right, when when the when the level of stress. Uh, Or a new stressor, rather, uh, which in this case, we'll say the the murder of George Floyd, right, Mm -hmm. gets introduced into this bigger system. Well, for me, where the stress is at chin level, it's now getting raised up to my nose and it feels really difficult. For Deb, whose stress level as a white woman maybe is at her mouth, right? Maybe that's getting raised mm-hmm. to her eyes, right? But My for eyebrows. African-American – Eyebrows. <laughs> maybe there, right? There is, but there for, for <laughs> a, the African-American community whose stress level is already constantly at eye <laughs> level, it is now above your heads and it can feel mm-hmm. like you're drowning, Good. right? Because mm-hmm. it, there is so much trauma now that has been introduced into an already stressed system and that's why – Um, You know, as we look at like health statistics and everything else that COVID raised the situation of, right, there's higher levels of hypertension and all of these different things that that often they say are related to the researchers to these levels of racial trauma and navigating racialized spaces and having to Mm -hmm. code switch and having to do all of these things, right, that that make life navigable um, for you all. That mm-hmm. now, because you guys are at the tipping point, and I'm just getting up to here, we are all going to react in very different ways, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And we have to be aware of the mm-hmm. fact that that depending, uh, and we don't like dealing with this as as white Americans because we are so individualistic, right? We don't want to be mm. lumped in, right? Mm. Lump ourselves in, and, and everything else, but that, but that entire communities. Are of people are actually at different levels of 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 capacity when it comes to stress and anxiety right now, and yeah. are at different levels of being able to then engage in dialogue or solutions or et cetera because of <laughs> uh, the trauma, the exhaustion, the you know all of those things. And I just mm-hmm. think that we need to be aware of that so that mm-hmm. we can actually in our conversations with one another or. In our choosing not to have a conversation strategically with with a group that maybe is higher stressed, right, as as Mary was saying, that we have to have a level of discernment and wisdom in that and to be able to understand why – people we're having a conversation with might be reacting in a way that we don't want them to react or that we are expecting something different or wanting something that we may say needs to be more christian Mm. right in our Mm. in our response Mm -hmm. Right. right that 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 christian anger that rage like that that's not right fear. that frustration everything mm-hmm. else that's not a godly way why, why why can't you be less divisive and be more christian why the looting why you know right. why right. is the right. rioting right. i can deal with protesting right. i just can't get
2: agreed with right. the looting and the rioting right. and, right. Right. and we, we want to sanitize the people's pain right. and then say you right. should, when you're in pain this is how you should respond
0: Mm -mm. This is really how Mm -hmm. you should.
2: This is how you should Mm -mm. look. Craig, let me ask you. uh, You raised the issue and you and you surfaced um, a a way in which change occurs. I'm wondering from Dr. Dr. Deb and and Dr. Mary, what can we do to diffuse that so that it can come back down a little bit for either individual or corporate? You know, what are some of those things that you think in this moment would be self-care practices, either Mm -hmm. individual or corporate? That can help diffuse that sense because it is going to, I feel, you know, I, I love my watch, but it tells me to breathe every now and then.
0: Right, right.
2: It chimes yeah. in and says, hey, man, um, you know, a moment of breathing can help you to de-stress. So what is going to help diffuse a little bit of that?
0: You know what, in terms of, and I'll, I'll let you chime in, Dr. Gordon, I, there's a great article that I pulled up that just was really succinct. succinct, uh, succinct. Um, the title was The Emotional Impact of Watching White People Wake Up to Racial in Real, uh, Racism in Real Time. But part and of that, it's, it's right. A mouthful. Right, it's a mouthful. <laughs> it's a lot. And what I loved about it, there's a part in terms of how to cope if racism conversations are emotionally draining. Mm. And she gives five, four different things. As a black person, it is important that you do not feel that you always have to be the educator during these conversations about race. Right? Yes. We have to relieve really, yeah. we have to give our pers- ourselves permissions, yeah. permission. You know how Dr. Gordon said she gave herself permission to say it's not about me. I have mm. to not take this personal. We as black people have to say it's okay that it is not. It is not my. Um, baggage or it is not my duty to make sure that you're okay with not being okay at this moment i can walk away from that conversation if you find that you are a person if you are finding you are in a conversation that feels too emotionally overwhelming you can leave the conversation request that topic is changed or because of the emotional impact or decline just to to not participate right and i had to i had to talk to my therapist about that and he we literally went we role played and i would just give all of these different excuses he was like how come you just can't say I don't want to talk about it. How can we can't say mm-hmm. that, right? Um, there's and there's a, one more that I'll that I'll put out there. Um, it is also important to engage in self care activities, which help to alleviate the stress and anxiety that can be present during conversations about race. So even though we have been taught, and you Ernest, you you can attest to this that the higher you go in education, specifically, the less Black people you see. So you're we're kind of taught if we're like very few person uh, people in that space. The load is so much on us. And we walk around like that, that I'm a black person representing the whole culture. Right. Or that person a black. So we don't even we don't know how to disengage. There's times where it's hard for me to get off Facebook because I have to say something to make sure people understand. And if I disengage, people may feel that I'm not really down for the cause or, you know, but we need to give ourselves permission to do that. That is part of that grieving that we were discussing earlier. Go ahead. absolutely. I want to I want you to get in on this. Well, it's interesting. So,
1: yeah, those are really helpful. Um, Mm. So I, I just so happened to write a book. And when I wrote this book, by no means did I think it was going to come out in the context of our world today. In my spare time. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I wrote this book largely last year and it just dropped about a week, almost two weeks ago. And it's called Embracing Uncomfortable. Mm. And the reality is it talks to so much of what we've been discussing. This idea of we need to be aware of what we're walking into and prepared for that and radically accepting it for what it what it is, not what we want it to be or what we think it should be or what we think it should have been, radically yeah. accepting. And so thinking about this is going to cause anxiety. My mm-hmm. stress level is already here, chin, mm-hmm. nose, eyebrow, whatever it is, mm-hmm. over the head. Mm-hmm. And that is just reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and then as I step into the conversation or the relationship or the, the, the moment to advocate for change, when my stress level increases, how am I responding to that? And I'm speaking more now to my yes. white brothers and sisters, because what we tend to do, as Craig said, when the stress gets too high and we want to manage it, we do, I think, one of three things. We either justify well, I've been fighting and I've been doing that. You know, we justify why we can take a step back. Yeah. We minimize yeah. or we deny altogether. Mm-hmm. And we've got to be aware of those reactions because I do think, unfortunately, if we're not, and this is where I see myself in that advocacy role as a white woman to my white mm-hmm. brothers and sisters, otherwise it will become... You know, we got swept up into the momentum and the excitement of this and then we didn't promote long sustainable change and we've returned to the status quo because we're too uncomfortable to deal with the emotional weight that will come with advocating for the change that absolutely has to happen.
3: Yeah. Um, I know that we, we have to wrap this thing up here pretty quick because, you know, um, our producer Caleb is freaking out on us and jumping up and down in the background <laughs> and waving hands and, oh, you guys are talking smoke too signals, much. Uh, you SOS. know, smoke signals. We've we've ignored them all. Um, yeah. And so I don't want to be the one with the last words. So I'm going to say something really, really short here. But um, what what we will be doing. I believe it's really trying to post a a list of resources with this podcast that you can download that will be helpful. There'll be some recommendations. Um, Uh, A couple of books I want to recommend. One, Ernest already recommended from Ta-Nehisi Coates named uh, Between the World and Me. But then also Mm -hmm. the kind of the the evangelical counterpart of that book is a book called I'm Still Here by Austin Channing Brown. And it gives the experience of an African-American woman in white evangelical spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, What I'd love to encourage our white evangelical uh, brothers and sisters to do who are listening is, is pick that book up and read it. Not thinking that it's going to give you the solution, but so that you can cultivate empathy and understanding of the experience of at least one other person of color, um, especially a woman of color, in white evangelical spaces and what that's been like for her. And now Mm. you need to understand that... um, You know, just like the white community is not the black community is not a monolith. So it's not like every single person has every single experience. But what you will find when you read these two books, and especially that one, is that I have had um, so many conversations with African-American women who have said, oh, my gosh, this book is verbalizing everything that I have been trying to say, you know, to my to my friends over Mm -hmm. over years. So there are just there are some incredible nuggets here. I would encourage um, our listeners to to, to read these, but also other things to say if if step one is learning how to listen, it's learning how to listen with a different posture. Because yeah. my my experience, especially with those of us who are really um sort of Bible centered Bible believing and heady, right where everything is about is about scripture, which is great, right because we are fully committed to the authority of scripture on this Absolutely. show and in and, and other places. Okay. is what we tend to do then though, is is we listen with with the posture of critique. Rather Mm. than listening with a posture of humility and learning. And Mm. so that would be my number one hope and suggestion is that as we give you resources, as you're listening, uh, you'll start listening and reading some other sources that you're not used to. Turn, Turn off Fox and turn on MSNBC. Now, you may consider that a liberal bastion of of the devil. The point is not to agree. The point is to actually hear a different perspective for the point of listening and learning rather than um, continuing to listen to the same people over and over who are coming from the same perspective on the same issues that doesn't help Absolutely. us to get into the position of another person. So mm. so if, if I could if, if I think and I think I can say we would encourage you all to listen with a new posture of listening to learn with humility. Um, without critiquing that would be the single most important thing that you can probably do in this time because that will inform every other step after that um, that right now quite frankly we're not ready for yet because we have not taken the time Mm. to listen which can then move us to lament which can then move us toward concerted partnership and action which will lead to change
0: that's right that would be my suggestion. absolutely that's good
3: and I And I'm thankful that,
2: you know, we've had this wonderful conversation around this issue and we've ventured into various segments. Um, I I, I can't help but return to an idea of courage that is necessary in this moment and how courage Mm, takes on many shapes and forms. Um, It takes a lot of courage to on no matter who you are, whether you're white, whether you're black, whether you're a person of color, whoever you are, it takes a lot of courage to enter into this moment and to. Be vulnerable and to mm-hmm. share details about your own experience with race, with the flashpoint of this moment as well. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say, too, is that, um, as Craig just briefly alluded to, what I do when I teach my hermeneutics course is I demand that students engage the scriptures with um, interpretive virtues, virtue mm-hmm. epistemic uh, um, epistemics. And so for me, humility is a necessary ingredient. Other uh, thing right. is criticizability. If we can't take one on the chin every now and then, Mm -hmm. if we cannot sit here and be at least criticizable, then what does it say to our ability to learn anything new? Mm
3: -hmm. So we've
2: got humility, criticizability, generosity. Mm -hmm. Generosity Mm. is another key component that I think is necessary. We have to be generous with people because people are already set on edge. And and openness, openness, open to a new idea, Mm -hmm. as Craig has said. So I, I guess I just gave a couple of... Uh, uh, layers or tiers to how Craig was just describing how you ought to engage these resources that we are uh, recommending to you: humility, mm-hmm. criticizability, generosity, and openness. And those are, are, are all virtues. Yeah, those are virtues. All virtues
0: sure. of Jesus. They're all. They're, it's not like you're straying away from. Uh, yeah. Who who God is and who and how who Jesus how He walked the earth. Those are all His Absolutely. virtues. Dr. Gordon and I say that in our our classes that you come into this with humility and empathy, and you are even yeah. if you don't say one word about the, the actual name of Jesus in your sessions with someone who may not be a Christian, you are still displaying His disposition, right? And modeling Him. That's one modeling Him, yeah.
3: right? Yeah. Well, uh, Deb, were you wanting to awesome. wrap something up too, yeah. or are you good? <laughs> Because if if we're feeling yeah, good, just, what, I what,
1: said this is awesome. I'm so glad we got together to have awesome. this conversation.
3: Yeah. This was really that, rich. Then awesome, yeah, it Didn't was a really, really good conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on um, I, I just love to wrap this up with just on behalf of both just gospel and um <laughs> becoming well. I was gonna say. I'm listening for my wife's favorite show, <laughs> Frasier. Um, because, and, <laughs> if, you, if you're one of my wife's students or anybody, know, you know that she watches know. Frasier. It's daily. been on the test reruns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's got them all memorized. Yeah. Right, every episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but just gospel and becoming That's well. Hilarious. This is. We hope this has been a rich and meaningful conversation for you all as you've listened in. It has been meaningful for us, and and we look forward to being on a journey with you all as you hopefully tune in and listen to our upcoming episode. as, as, as both shows deal with some of these issues in ongoing ways, but from different angles. So thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you all next time.